Boom. Bam. I got the gut it. And Andrew, Angelo, you want to know if I'm ready? I am ready, man. I am ready to ski. Skis are starting to come in. Boots are coming in. We're pretty psyched with Blizzard Technica coming back on to sponsor the Fall Line with Chaos and Company podcast. And we also have Nick's Boot Fitting over at Mount Snow. And if your boots are coming in or you haven't ordered your boots yet, you might want to run over there and see Nick and George over at Nick's Boot Fitting to get stuff sized up and get done. And then also super exciting. We don't have snow yet, Angelo, but rollerblade coming on this winter for sponsorship so that's pretty cool miles cotter sparrow uh, joined up with us and uh, hopefully we do some neat things with those guys as we move forward awesome. Um, awesome and i have to say i am super excited tonight for our third episode of uh season three and we have parish monk who is the managing director of the canadian ski instructors alliance i hope i got all that right yeah, Perry. yeah very good cool my last name is not an easy one so you, you did a great job well i did i did listen to a couple of youtube videos that you were in that you were doing some things with the canadian your job there and i said okay i gotta my wife said that to me make sure you get his last name close <laughs> <laughs> so i did hear you pronounce it a few times so i had to practice a little bit yeah. so i didn't practice in front of the mirror or anything but i was practicing so um and I, you know it's pretty cool to um talking outside our us of a but in the north americas it's kind of cool really close um and how, how long have you been in the position uh coming up in four years four years cool yeah that's awesome that's like your number four i know because as we talk later this this number four in four years is going to come up because the, one of the coolest things that i didn't realize was going to be the thing with the podcast that our listeners tell angela and i is our first question we always ask people around for the first time that are skiers and and you know that is you know what is it how did you learn how to ski where did you learn how to ski who'd you learn how to ski with and and i kind of this is you're the first person coming on that i read a little bit about that story just getting on skis so i know our listeners are going to be pretty interested in that sure if, if you want me to jump right into it so um I grew up in Saskatchewan, which is a province in the, in, you know, kind of in the middle of the country of Canada. Very, it's flat, cold is kind of what it's known for. Um, kind of a, I mean, it's a bit of a stereotype, but a, a typical Saskatchewan kid. I played hockey most of, most of my, uh, most of my life. Did not ski as a kid. Um, and then, you know, then I went to, I went into university and the thought at the time, uh, when I went to university was to be a high school phys ed teacher. Um, and one of the requirements of the phys ed program is I needed a first aid course and, and a couple that were recognized, um, by the university were, um, uh, a program called the St. John's ambulance. Another one was the Canadian ski patrol system, it, you know, for its first aid that the Canadian ski patrol system happened to work for my schedule, you know, with things that I was doing at the time, which was school playing football and all the rest of it. So I took it for the first aid course. I was the only person there that took it for the first aid, pretty much. <laughs> Everyone else was there because it, it you know, it, it in some way gave them access to either free or discounted skiing. Um, but I got to socialize with these people and, and that's what led me to try uh, skiing for the very first time. And in advance of skiing with, you know, what would be my Canadian Ski Patrol peer, uh, peers, um, I did go out skiing at my local little hill at the time. Um, with my dad you know first time and this is very <laughs> stereotypical you know blue downfield jacket blue jeans and we went and tried skiing for the first time anyway i, I liked it i think I, i'm probably going to say this i think the fact that i was pretty used to sliding on skates probably mm. made it 
you know, a little easier to pick up than, than, than maybe most. But anyways, I, I got hooked. I got, I got hooked on it. Um, I started, you know, then volunteering at the local chapter of the ski patrol system. So I did my rotation, which was probably once a week, um, ski patrolling and whatever. Um, and, it, and after one season of doing that, that chapter of the ski patrol system, and they were relatively well-funded. They raised money quite successfully from a ski swap. So, you know, they, they, they had cash to put back into their, into their chapter, if you will. And they, they paid for me to take uh, um, what at the time was a Canadian Ski Instructors Alliance level two course. At that time, you could, you could go direct to the level two. Um, so I took that uh, Canadian Ski Instructors Alliance uh, level two course. So keep in mind at that time, I was taking education classes about phys ed. So literally, you know, a professor of badminton, a professor of gymnastics and on all these um, type of classes. And when I, when I took the ski instructors course, I thought, well, these two guys are as great as any of my professors. Like these guys were, you know, they were pros. They knew, they knew, they knew their, they knew their job um, highly, you know, just articulate, just, just really truly great educators. And, and that inspired me. And as I went through the course, I got to know about their life as well, which literally at the time, they both worked in Banff. They both worked in New Zealand in our, you know, in the uh, in the northern hemisphere um summers and so on and i went wow this is there there's the answer i had nothing against being a high school phys ed teacher but when i saw what these guys did one of the fears that i did have is that i would spend my entire life in saskatchewan <laughs> and, and when i saw these two schemes i thought well this is this was my way to see the world and, and again i'll keep the story short so the I mean, that was it. So when I finished university, that cycle, I went to, I, I then moved to Banff where I worked at Sunshine Village, you know, the first uh, year as a full-time ski pro. Um, the, very quickly, then I worked in Truro, New Zealand, did the back-to-back -back season thing. Um, and, and I was hooked. And maybe I'll add one, one last thing. When I got, um, when I took that level two course from those two guys, and I'm really going to date myself because this is pre-internet. I went to my local video store and I rented a movie called Movement in Motion, which was a 15-minute piece uh, produced by Warren Miller. And it was done on our, the Canadian Ski Instructors Alliance 1983 mm -hmm. demo team. And when I saw that, I went, well, there, that's, there's the blueprint for my life. I want to do that. And literally, so that next year when I went to Banff, knowing the names on that list, I, I went to the, well, mm -hmm. And at the time, Don Corvin, he was one of those member team members, you know, those demo team members. He was the ski school director at, at Sunshine Village. And I went, well, I want to work there. I want to work for a demo team member. And hence, that was the, the course that I was on. That is so awesome. So, so I do want to know, what did your dad do? I mean, you were on your course and you had your thing. Did your dad continue to ski? Yeah, no, he did. You know, and, and, and you know, that was kind of a catalyst for my family to get into it today. You know, I'm. I've got one sibling, you know, a, a sister, and she, she, you know, she does family vacations with her kids. Uh, my parents are a little older now, um, but, but, you know, for, for years, you know, from that point on, they, yeah. they would come see me wherever I was working in the mountains and they'd come skiing and, and yeah, they definitely um, took it up and it was a big part of, of their life and, and, and my, obviously my life from that point forward. It's so cool. So cool. And I'm going to college and need my first aid and oh bam. And then like four years later, I'm like trainer in the Canadian Ski Instructor Alliance. It's like boom, boom, boom. I wish we could do that fast. Angela, how many years did it uh, was it from when you started not skiing, but till you went to uh 
you know, Ed staff. Um, wasn't four. <laughs> no, and I didn't get certified right away. I, I started to teach skiing in 1989-90, and I got my level one in 94, and then level two in 95, and level three in 99. So five years for me to go through our process, but I was yeah. I had been teaching for nine years at the time. Yeah. Very, and it's then about double the ski, time. Very tough. behind us. Huh? We skied for like decades before we went, and then yeah. Perry comes in and goes, "Ah, you don't need all that prep time." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, you know, it wasn't just that though. I mean, I worked one. I worked in a ski school, and you know, I was fairly, you know, yeah. uh, low on the seniority list. Obviously, when I started, um, but there was a, there was a really strong training culture in the ski school. Of course, you know, I mentioned Don Corbin, uh, kind of the head trainer, or quote unquote. I think his title was technical director back in the time. A guy by the name of Shinsiki, and we whenever we went we were not working as a ski school we trained and that probably was 8 30 to 4 30 every like mm. if there wasn't uh, a lesson to be had in fact in most cases we would be there was a there was a, a system at lineup either goggles up or goggles <laughs> down whether you wanted to work or not and, and most of us were goggles down as in we didn't want to work because we'd rather mm. go um training and and i can't you know of that ski school and i'm gonna i'm gonna be close you know back in the day that might have been 20 25 pros i don't know of who didn't go on to get our you know our top certification um and and and, and notables you know that even your listeners would know that means you know people like steve smart um janice morgan like that you know there there was a list of kind of who's who in our organization that came through that and don't get me wrong there are other ski schools in canada like that like trombone in the east and and then later, you know, Whistler and, um, but, you know, it, it, a strong training culture and, and it turned out, you know, a lot of highly certified without, without. I, I love that goggles up, goggles down. That's like a universal thing. I think we're, it doesn't matter what country we're going to go to. Yeah. We talk to ski instructors up, oh, it snowed today, goggles down. <laughs> oh man. Oh God. That's crazy. All the lineup stuff we, we have it's so fun so all this computer stuff taking us away from just the lineup and like you get your assignment and go meet the people on your own it's like oh lineup was so much fun we all lined up well, and, and i'll even figure it out this back in the day at sunshine and i think the acronym was pda we had a pda account so it meant you could charge things in the local restaurant and you know we in the day the programming was ski week so you know that meant meals and so on and i'm i'm pretty sure my um my i owed the mountain more at the end of most months than, than what they owed me you know which was like whatever it's a food charge to the account because the rest of the time was spent training and, and i'm sure there were months where, where that balance of the mountain money oh my god that's great but it is crazy though i mean you put a lot of work and effort in and like you said i think you're skating you know ice skating i mean because when i kind of looked into you a little bit it was it wasn't just that you were into you were a canadian ice skater in hockey you were like every day skating yeah, like I, from like what I, I, read. I grew up you know that's you know and, and especially well i'm really going to date myself i remember the small i lived in i remember when it got quote unquote artificial ice which means ice that could be yeah. refrigerated i remember when that happened and that you know and that typically meant that you know we would both have ice time in the morning preschool and ice time afterwards mm -hmm. as well so yeah it was and i don't know if that was you know all of my success but I, but I, I definitely grew up mm -hmm. liking sports was involved in sports and and you know and I, and I think i took some of that 
whatever you want to call it, athletic approach to to um, to the skiing. And then, I mean, probably the biggest thing is I I had access to great trainers. You know, like I, and and I think you know if there's something you know as we get deeper in the conversation, I think that's so you know it. I see that everywhere I go, right? Like I see that you know when when I've had had a chance to hang out with with the Americans, I you know at, at the National Academy or some of our colleagues worldwide, you know, when you get to hang out with people that are really good at their craft, it's really hard to, to not absorb that, right? And, and, I, and I was lucky in my early years. I, I got to hang out with some people that were really good yeah, at what they yeah, did. Yeah, we, we actually chat about that a lot because Angelo, I know he wants to bite in because some of our areas, even here, when we look at our eastern region, some, a lot of our membership say it's hard to get that ed staff type level and especially national team. I mean, even here in the Eastern U.S., we've always struggled and finally we've got a bunch now mm -hmm. on the team. Okay, uh, and you, it's, we talk about, and it's funny because I, I read your, you know, I, like I do, I read your quest questions that you sent to Perry last week before the podcast. And one of the notes I wrote was about that. That's a remarkably quick ascension from like non-certified to, to fully <laughs> certified. And it's remarkable. Like, you know, um, I'm really, I was really interested in what you thought the factors were that influenced that. And the hockey is obvious. I mean, that's, that's an obvious physical factor, but I remember having conversations with Nick Heron about barriers to entry. And it doesn't seem like you had any or many of those other than the fact that you'd not, never skied before. Like that was your, your barrier was you never did, but that scholarship in my mind is huge. Like, cost seems to be a big barrier to entry for a lot of people who are college age trying to get involved in the organization but that scholarship must have made you feel really welcome to to explore it oh yeah for sure and so i and i'll say this i was very blessed so in in my, my level two was paid for by a scholarship because again i don't know if i would have known enough to take the course without that because it was so um just out there, right? So that was a real win. And I'll say this, in, in, and I, I'm proud of this to this day, you know, the way the CSA is set up, you know, we've got a national organization, we have regions, you know, six regions across the country as well, and either through the national program or the regions, you know, a considerable amount of money is reinvested to the membership through scholarships. And I think that's a key thing. And it's a, you know, it's a catalyst to keep people in the system at key times. It's a catalyst to keep people growing and so on. And I was definitely an advocate, or not an advocate, that's the wrong word. I was definitely a benefit of that process. Like, you know, I was helped um, really early in the system. Um, that Because, again, you know how, uh, um, you guys remember the, the game show prices, right? I often think of life as, well, this is a really obscure thought. I often think of life as the Plinko chip game. You know, and the Plinko chip, as it falls down, you don't quite know which way it's going to go. And when I took that, you know, that Plinko chip, when, when I got access to that level two CSA course, and it was a scholarship, like that, that is a key part where at that moment in time, it went this way, and it, and it totally changed the course of my life. Yeah. Uh, you know, because in life, I think this, I mean, some things you're in control of, right? But some yeah. things, like some of those courses of, of, um, of events, they just happen too. No. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So, and, and, um, so you've only been managing director for four years. So there was a lot in between of skiing and teaching. So well, the skiing and teaching I, in the winter, what was the summers? Uh, well, I can give 
a bit of a background. So in my early days, so like I said, I did the New yeah. Zealand thing. And then, then I, got, I got quite quickly involved in Skiria marketing. And that that's augmented, um, you know, my, my, my winter ski school operations period. So I typically um, did, and again, I'm going to date myself. So ski resort marketing prior to the internet was typically ski shows, right? Which meant consumer shows in the fall, group shows in the spring. And I, and I would do that and that with, you know, with other marketing work, like literally creating brochures and so on. So I, I, I got involved in marketing positions at resorts, like mostly that. Um, and then that, that, you know, that, that took uh, my, my ski industry um, career year round. Um, eventually, I mean, I'll mention this, you know, in that, in, um, in that era of being on the road and doing ski shows, I would often be in the same city at the same place of a, of a colleague of mine, a guy by the name of Andy Cohen, who, you know, who happens to be a few things. He's one, he's one of us. And when I say that, like he's a CSA level four, he also happens to be the current uh, chairperson of, of Canada West Skiers Association. He is an American, I think originally, you know, like, and, 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 you know, a fully um, cert PSIA member and so on. And then it, in those days, we'd often end up at the road at the same time in the same place. And he'd say, ah, you know what, Whistler, they're, they're going to do lots there. There's going to be lots of investment. And, and you should really think about moving out there. And I go, ah, now nah, you're crazy. I got a good, good gig here. And there's no way I would do it. But eventually, you know, that kind of led me to having Maya and Whistler. And it was that conversation with Andy that eventually, you know, that I transitioned to Whistler. Um, I was really lucky, you know, so I got involved in Whistler on Blackcomb, which was, you know, you know, uh, c- considerably before the merger of Whistler and Blackpool, you know, got involved with the ski school and a fairly young thing there, and and you know was happy to be a part of a team like where that that growth curve was unbelievable, like you know crazy, um, you know, and I say that with pride. That's some definitely some things that we did strategically, um, but it's all you know it was also a process of you know where the resort was at at its time. It, maybe this, if this dovetails into my Mike Porter story, yeah. like as an early young ski school director at uh, at Blackcomb, I often considered. Uh, I'll be wondering if bosses are watching this. At the time. <laughs> I would, would convince my boss at the time we definitely need need to do some research trips. So I spent quite a bit of time as the ski school director in Blackcomb in Colorado. You know, chatting to guys like Mike Kaplan at the time when he was ski school director at, at Aspen. You know, and of course he's moved on. You know, higher up the ranks in Aspen, but you know, and one, but one of the key people was Mike Porter, and he he was so generous in sharing. You know, lessons that they learned positively and negatively. You know, in my early days in Blackcomb, and I remember one trip that I that I met with Mike. I mean, I you know had a notebook <laughs> this full of, of of notes, and you know, and just the, and I mean, maybe that's going to say this is that you know that that opportunity for us. To to learn and share from each other is, is, is a crazy rich opportunity. Um, and, you know, and, and so I definitely had influence in my career, you know, by some of, uh, you know, my American colleagues, like guys like you, to, you know, to the south of the border. And maybe I'll finish the Mike Porter story. Then fast forward to Bulgaria, it's interski, and we're, you know, I'm taking a workshop and I think it's with um, the Danish uh, demo team at the time and, and the Danish uh, team leader that does this workshop. He breaks us out into three groups and there's, um, and you know, everybody's skiing around, goggles down, whatever. There's first guy named, and there's this, guy, uh, you know, with a, with a blue jacket and it's got a PSA logo on the, on the arm and put goggles down and he goes, yeah, my name's Mike. And I'm going like, 
Mike, and then eventually lift your goggles up, and it's Mike Porter. And, I, and then I, I didn't know if he would have remembered me, but anyways, I I re um, reiterated that uh, that story of of him, you know, helping me out many years ago. And then fast forward, Angelo, to our, you know, literally at, at National Academy at Big Sky, it was really great to connect with, with Mike again. Um, it, just love the. Well, it, it's and that's it's a neat story because. Um, what Angela and I, when we started the podcast, part of part, a big part of the reason for the podcast was to try to get this to our listeners, right, Angelo, to people, our national team members, or other folks in the industry they don't get to speak with. Um, and hmm. yeah, go ahead, Angela. I know you chatting there. Well, I was kind of laughing because um, we we spent a we spent a great day at Academy last year skiing with Porter and um perry and nick heron joined us for most of the session it was really great and i don't know perry i think you guys had peeled off but porter ends up getting us lost um we were trying to <laughs> we we're trying to head back to the to dinner and he had to always oh, it, it was the night of ron lamaster's i was still there okay. <laughs> i was there when we walked out yeah, yeah we there. end up we end up like porter's like i know a shortcut and we're like, oh shit! So we go across this little walking bridge, and all of a sudden, mm -hmm. we're by a dumpster behind these condos. And he's like, "Yeah, I don't know where the hell I am." He's like, "I get everybody lost. Don't worry about it. it's nothing new." <laughs> but what a yeah, super super generous. He, he, if anybody who listens yeah. to this ever gets a chance to meet or ski with Mike Porter, take him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's, that's cool. Oh God! I, I hope I, I get this right, but in that in the complete right, where we end up, I don't know. <laughs> we have to walk out of this lower parking lot to get back to the steel. I did get it. It was a great actually. It worked out. That I had a great, and I'm pretty sure her name's Kathy, and she might be. Um, I, I'm probably going to totally get her uh, title wrong, but CEO of one oh, of Kathy your, Brennan, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah she, so, she's our anyways, CEO in the East. Sure, yeah. Sure. Okay, so so Kathy, that that detour where we had to walk out for ten or fifteen minutes to, to stroll with Kathy, and we had a great time. Yeah. It's amazing how those interactions happen. It's it, it's just going to those places, hanging out with folks, and and yeah. chatting. I mean, that's that's a cool thing. A lot of people ask me, and Angela, and they definitely ask me. You know, you guys do this this podcast, and no one pays you. You know, you have some sponsors, but what do you get out of it all the time you put into it? And it's like I get to sit down with someone like you, Perry, from who's the managing director of the Canadian Ski Instructor Alliance, and chat like we're having a beer or having a coffee. And I get an hour of their time that no one else is bothering. I get to ask and learn. It's really cool. Those those things. That's what Angela. I mean, Angela loves this stuff. Well, the other funny thing about Porter, I don't know if it was. I think it might have been the next day. He had to go to a meeting, and he was with a group. And he's like, you know, I guess it was three thirty or whatever. He's like, I got to peel off and and get ready for this meeting. And they talked him into another run. He's like, Well, all right, I can uh, I can skip a shower and 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 go to the meeting. So I'll take another run. So he did that. They get to the bottom and like, Come on, Mike, do another run. He said, Well, I I can I can probably just take my ski boots off and go in my shoes. So he took another run. They talk him into one after that. He ends up walking into this meeting full ski garb. Like he got off the hill like five minutes before his meeting started. But you know, it oh. the dude just he loves the ski. It's obvious. He loves to share. It's obvious. Yeah. And you know, and yeah, anyway. Or so so to kind of segue here, how does a 
ski instructor coming out of phys ed education college and want to be a ski instructor that's your life and plan going to marketing all this stuff how do you decide that you want to be the mayor of um tofino which is it a city or town on one of the islands off british columbia there uh it's a town and well and that's that isn't a direct connection it's not like hey i wanted to do that uh, but a few things happen in life is one I, I, you know, most of, well, all, all, all of my life has been in the ski industry mm-hmm. other than 12 years, almost to the day, 12, 12 years. Um, you know, I, I worked in the ski industry and, and at one point, and you know, that was my background and that's the way my resume would have read, if you will. And, I, and, but having said that in the marketing of ski resorts, I often worked with colleagues that were in the hotel mm-hmm. business and, and I thought, well, you know what, maybe my resume needs some width to it. Um, I applied for a job in Vancouver, became the director of marketing for a downtown Vancouver hotel. Um, quite you know, a couple of months into that job, they happened to let go of the general manager at the time. I didn't tell anybody that I didn't know what I was doing, but they gave me kind of the keys to the hotel to run it. And then that, you know, so I became the general manager there. That then led me to the general manager of a hotel in uh, in Tofino, and I, I mean, maybe for your listeners, I need to, Tofino, it's it's a unique little place, uh, very west coast of Vancouver Island, quite remote, um, uh, beautiful beaches. It's very not like Canada, you know, like it's beautiful, pristine beaches. And when I, and I'd never been there before taking the job and, and the owner of the resort took me out there uh, and I looked at the resort and I went, well, it's clear. Nobody knows about this place. And I thought, I thought opportunity, right? Like I just thought there, there's a huge opportunity to get in at the ground level. So took that job um, at the time uh, in Canada, we have a thing and this isn't exactly true by, by being, but if you take a place like Whistler or Banff, they're all, you know, destinations and they all have an organization like tourism Banff or tourism Whistler and so on. And, you know, no, no different than, you know, what you would see at some rest destinations as well. Right. But at the time, tourism Tofino, there was no tourism Tofino. It was just, you know, kind of this rogue organization. I took the job as GM. I um, quite quickly worked with my hotel um, peers and, and, you know, tourism Tofino was then formed. A colleague of mine from a different hotel was the organization's first chair. I was its second chair. And that often found me um, in, in town council's chambers, lobbying on behalf of the tour industry. And that, and, that's kind of, you know, one of the reasons why I ended up, um, uh, you know, running for mayor. And I'll, there's there's two things that were a catalyst for running for mayor is one, my son, there's very little to, if you're not surfing, you know, and the weather's not conducive to surfing, there's not a lot to do there. You know, there's not a lot of infrastructure. In it. But my son played floor hockey and the floor hockey was a municipal program, but it was run in the school gym. So school board is the landlord, municipal um, runs the program. Basically, there was an argument between the two organizations and the kids couldn't play floor hockey. <laughs> so I basically ran on the pod. If I get elected, we'll fix that relationship and the kids will play floor hockey. Um, and, and, you know, and, and don't get yeah. me wrong, I was, I was kind of a pro-economy guy, like pro-young family yeah. guy. Uh, and, and that's what led me to, uh, to run for, um, for the mayor uh, role. And, and, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll say this, like I didn't, those were literally some of the, you know, the, the square, you know, the, the, the basic um, kind of cornerstones of why I was interested. But I'll tell you, it was unbelievably rewarding, like serving, you know, in, in community service. It was, I mean, I think when you step up into anything like that, 
it's going to get its attack vectors. There, there is there, that that comes at a question, but for the most part, people are pretty pretty appreciative of what you're trying to do, and it was a highly rewarding experience, like unbelievably rewarding. Yeah, and uh, I can't. I, I was gonna roll thing down because it was it was an award I didn't know about, and I know I haven't asked you this, but I know you you were given an award for some of your community service, the Queen. What yeah, the Queen's uh, the Queen's Jubilee Medal. Um, yes, and you know, and I I say this with some pride because, and when I say this with some pride, what was really cool at the time is you know, so it, mm-hmm. it's a small town, like three thousand. It's a small town, but it's very. Um, it's very passionate. It's very, um, you know, it, well, it, well, in Canada, and I say this is most people will know about Tofino. Like it's literally, the, it's the place our prime minister would would vacation. Um, Time Magazine, and not that I keep track of this stuff, but Time Magazine top twenty places in the world to visit. Um, I say this with with some pride as well in that tourism Tofino role. One of the things that we did, and when I say we, I mean totally the community, like, you know, through tourism, you know, which is, which was, that means, you know, other hotel activity providers like whale watchers, surf schools, you name it. We, we, we banded together and created a couple of events, worked very closely with, um, with O'Neill, you know, the wetsuit manufacturer and brought the cold water, what, what is the cold water classic surfing uh, petition to Tofino and that literally put us on the map cool. to the point that outside magazine said hey the best surfing destination in North America is in Canada who knew yeah. and anyways, like and that was a, a really cool thing to be part of and that first the first event the first cold water classic was an unbelievable event like I said 3,000 people in town and it was a Cinderella story the hometown the hometown boy won the contest and there wasn't a Tofino that wasn't on the beach That's when that cool. happened. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, very, very, um, very cool. Yeah. And it, a very passionate community. And it was, it was great to be a part of it and to serve um, yeah. for those people. Well, congratulations. I knew it was a big award when I was reading up on it. And I didn't really understand it myself in terms of, cause I never had heard of it before, but I knew it was a pretty prestigious award. And um, it, to me, it kind of, in, in your chat, it really shows you know, your, your passion community and for others and caring. And I mean, that's, that's what great teachers show, right, Angelo? That's correct. <laughs> that's correct. Angelo's almost speechless. I can't believe it. You just told me I was correct too. I need to have that like triple record. Well, you know, yeah, that I was, you know, to fast forward when, you know, eventually, well, and I'll share a part of the story, you know, in, in, in my life, I, I did have, you know, another as as we all do, right? I had another fairly changing uh, moment. I, I had a real turn for the worst health wise. Had um, uh, had cancer. You know, it was uh, stage four large B cell lymphoma. Um, the 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 chemo that eventually cured me almost killed me. And and literally, when when I was going through that whole process, I I you know I basically it's going to sound a little philosophical, but had that conversation with myself and said, ah, you know what, life's short, and if I have an opportunity to get back to the ski hill with the right opportunity, that's where I want to go. Um, and then you know, and and watching, and you know, all the time, and I'll I'll say this for the twelve years that I was outside of the of the business, I skied three days. Yeah. In the, like I, I was totally and Tofino. Part of that's a little bit logistics, like yeah. Tofino is a bit remote. But I, I would, I'm boring an analogy from a colleague of mine. 
I was always a ski instructor looking over the fence <laughs> to see what was going on in my old world. And, you know, and, and, you know, and watched what was going on and so on. And then, you know, when this opportunity um, came up, you know, I, um, you know, I, I definitely applied for it because I, I was interested and, in, and, and I'll say this without, you know, I kind of, I kind of had the CSA background, being, you know, trained, uh, um, level four, et cetera. But I also had this community side of it too. And this working in my current, in my current uh, role, like I am the managing director, which means I'm the, you know, the, the paid employee that reports to the democratically elected board board. Um, so I, you know, I, I do kind of get some of the, um, the nuances that come with those dynamics and, and how it works. And, um, a thought that I could, you know, provide some value to the organization and, and hopefully, you know, the organization, um, feels that all and yeah and that's kind of that's kind of the short version of where I'm today it's wild how things shape and form us and push us in a direction it's cool and um uh, and, and we leave surfino by yeah. uh, the torofino um i was thinking surfing yeah. so it's like um, well i read that you can surf there year round yeah like, so, it's got to get cold in um, <laughs> Actually, I mean, in well, I mean, I won't get my conversions that right, but in Celsius, yeah. the water can be 13 degrees in August, yeah. and it can be 13 degrees in January. You know, so it means well, and yeah. the air temperature could be, you know, 20 degrees in January and 20 degrees in August, which means <laughs> uh, 70, right? And again, those are you know some anomalies, but but it 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 can, in fact. When I was working at the at the at the resort, to um, I used to run these specials that uh, that I, I would call them the GM CLM special, and CLM stands for Career Limiting Move. Where I'd I'd throw some crazy um, promotion out there that would would get rid of some distressed inventory. And one of the points um, when Vancouver in and in and of itself rarely gets snow. But there was one, one winter that Vancouver itself got snow, which means people were really reluctant to travel. So I did a no snow guarantee at the at the at the lodge in Tofino, which means if it snowed, you would get your your entire vacation free. It was a big gamble. I did have to pay out on it once, um, but you know I I'd done my homework. I'd gone through all the weather records. You know the airport's just down the road, about five kilometers away, and and the chances of it snowing were pretty slim. It's a bit of a uh, a bit of a tangent, but you, it's a long answer to say yes. You can surf there year round, and for the for the dedicated surfer, it's that produce well and to be in the world. Oh, well, we're going to have to tell the Boyd brothers, Jeb and Matt Boyd, they they have to stop going to Puerto Rico in the winter time for their week surfing, and they've got to go up to Torofino. I mean, well, and I'll say this: the first time I went in the water, oh, man. And that is not appealing, but thing to uh, technology is it works. You know, it, 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 it clearly works. You can, I spent, uh, you know, when, when the weather is completely going sideways on a ski hill, you know, it, it can be nasty and be party to be out there enjoying it. Well, it's, it's, it's a little bit the same in surfing in Tofino, but, but the cool thing is, is the technology, it works, right? Like, uh, uh, that's awesome. So, so, um, We've, we should move in a little deeper into the Canadian ski line since we have the managing director here. And um, I'm not sure how much Americans are PSA, AAS, 
SI members rule about Canadian system. Can you just give us kind of an overview of your part of it with the Canadian Ski Instructor Alliance? Sure. So a national body, um, about 20,000 members. You know, some people quote that number, you know, a little bit different, but we're, pre- we're pretty stable at, at, at 20,000 members um, across um, across the country. And, and like a lot, um, you know, 14% of our members are not domestic. If that makes sense, they they're either you know overseas uh, members or or uh, you know I'm 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 generalizing a bit, but some of those overseas members you know they ended that way because they probably did a gap program in Canada at some point their level one and level two. Um, but that you know that's our membership. We've got a four level system, you know, so you you enter the system at level one, um, level one, you know, and this is rough. Level one would be your entry, kind of an apprentice level. Um, level two. Um, everything to and including parallel skiers, you know, which would um, be a bulk of our membership. Level three, pretty, um, um, pretty well versed in everything, which means, you know, some, you know, definitely some, you know, other train like bumps and so on, you know, advanced level skiing. And then the, once you're, um, and uh, should, there, there's a couple of sub steps in there as well. As a level three, you, you, you then could go through the process to be a level one course conductor. And then as far then you're, you're, you know, you would be a course conductor and then you would go through some steps there to be a course conductor of all the other levels. Um, so that's kind of, a, that's kind of our, you know, um, the, the nuts and bolts of our system. In the organization, we got, you know, we've got everything of what we call in the pathway, which is that four level system. We do offer programs to our membership outside of the pathway as well, which we call pro days and pro sessions, which, you know, they're professional development opportunities that have no accreditation um, directly attached to them. Just a chance to get out and ski and improve your teaching um, with, with one of our, you know, senior yeah. people. So in the, in the U S our um, ski instructors and snowboard instructors, cause we have, cause you just have ski instructors in your group, correct? Cause the snowboard yeah. is separate. Yeah. 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 In, in Canada, the way things, yeah, he evolved over time where, you know, yeah, all of our different disciplines have their own, you know, complete um, or, you know, um, organization. I am say this, you know, we've got a, uh, and again, it's my opinion, but we've got a great level of cooperation. So we work quite closely with our Cassie, um, you know, colleagues, which is the, the snowboard side of things. We work quite closely with Alpine Canada, which is the coaches side of things. Um, and, you know, I'm going to miss some too. I can't see, which is the Nordic side of things and so on. So, and CADS, which is any anybody that's got, um, you know, some um, capacity or ability issues and, and what that looks like, you know, we're, we're pretty, um, uh, you know, we connect on a regular basis. We show, we share curriculum or, or you know, our research where, where possible and try and learn from that. But, but the long answer <laughs> again is we're, we're not the same organization. Yeah. And um, this, and here in the U S they don't have to be members of our organization to teach at resorts. Is it similar in Canada? You know that that it's a good question. That comes ultimately. That's that's in the hands of the resort. Like you know, there is no legislation that says you know the person needs to be a CSIA member. Um, you know, I say this again with some pride. Most most ski resorts, uh, yeah, you would have to be you know a CSIA member. Um, but I, in, you know, in one of your pre questions as well, like I know a lot of you know ski schools, they they will offer a pre um, an equivalency as well. So if you were IE. Uh, um, you know, a PSI level X versus a CSI level Y, you know, they, they would match those two things up. And, uh, 
and it would meet. I mean, because one thing, you know, and, and I know one of your other questions too is, you know, just, you know, um, I did get a chance at the last ski to meet mm-hmm. Nick Harrison and so on. And, and, you know, when I look at us as an organization and the PSA in, in the entire ski world, we do have a lot of similarities. And I can boil it down to one point as well. Like some, some of our area operators are the same people, right? whether it be some of the big ones like Vail Resorts or Altera, uh, Boyne Mountain, yeah. like, you know, and again, that list, the, some of those, those ownership struggle, structures and those business models are the same regardless of the border that puts in between us. So, um, you know, when I did get a chance um, to connect with, with Nick last in Bulgaria, you know, we, we, we as the two organizations, we have so much, I, I would argue, to gain mm-hmm. uh, from with other learning from each other and so on. Um, one of which because our, our dynamics are, are are quite similar. Yeah, and and your members are they? Is it a big bar or full time? Um, and and just I imagine you know also in Canada, like I mean the instructors at the resorts. Is it a big group of full time people or part time teaching skiing? Because um, here in the U.S., we especially in the East Coast, we tend to be very part time oriented at our resorts. Yeah, that's changing it. And, uh, I mean, I'll be transparent since COVID. We haven't done like a detailed annual membership survey, so I can't give you the, the hard stats on that. But, uh, but I, I mean, I can say this quite comfortably is in the world, those things are changing quite dramatically. So there would be very few ski instructors that this is the only thing that they do. Yeah. Uh, I, I would argue that our membership, you know, which, which I is the staff of, uh, of the ski schools across the country, they're, they're pretty industrious resourceful people. So they've figured out a way <laughs> to make this work, right? So uh, that, that means, you know, whether they're a contractor in the summer uh, and, you know, um, I, I, I am going to quote some of our demo team members. I've got a demo, you know, on the I, we have a demo team member that's a nurse. We have a demo team member that's a veterinarian. Like we've got people that have, that have figured out um, how we senior people that are um and you know like if you take some other walks of life where there's where it allows some flexibility in scheduling to be a ski pro that works uh, a number that are flight attendants number that are pilots you know like some work scenario that it that's out um that that they do it so the chances of, the, of this being the only profession really slim i mean most people have something else um going on you, do you see as angela was talking we're fine here in the u.s it's we're trying to find those those barriers that are keeping young people from coming in less like us crazy people did years ago all three of us came in and got hooked right away and built their life around it <laughs> it's like we did our first thing and teach like uh, okay this is what i know what i want to do and like you said you you had all your money went to the food and that right. at the end, end of the end of the week end of the month you had no money was all theirs again but i mean do you see issues with young people getting involved and staying involved in Canada well, as ski well, of course of course the answer is yes um you know what what that means uh, and uh, um but that, that so many avenues that could take that conversation one of which is you know I and again this is a bit of a personal opinion but I believe it you do one of the hard things about our business is to be good you have to be good so my, my point is is it's not like with very little training or very little experience, it's hard to offer value to the end user, the customer, or a ski school, and so on. So, um, like that—that's one of the dynamics that that's in play. Um, and when I say that, like we've, 
it's not like everything that we like it's funny we we like the us and i don't know your exact numbers i mean the good news is we have 83 years of history mm. bad news is we have 83 years of history and and i mean that you know a little bit tongue-in-cheek it's great and we've learned a, a lot um along the way but it's also evolving and what I, where i'm going with this is we have i think it's not that we've changed our focus but we've balanced our focus on education making sure that our people have the tools so they are good so it does work so that they can make a go of this and 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 it's evolving and what i'm about to say again it's not that it's wrong but it's not it's we don't just teach um you know a um a set of maneuvers or a curriculum that this is what you recite when you get out in front because ultimately you'll end up in a position where reciting a script won't work right we you know as experienced pros we all know that you got to be able to you got to be able to know what you're doing you've got to have some experience and you got to be able to work this way you know as you're working with a client to all connect and, and and make some learning happen and so on so we're Again, I'm going with a long answer, but it, I think we, we've dug deeper into the education side of it, which is showing returns. And what I mean by showing returns, it's getting a skewing a bit younger. It's getting a skewing a bit more female. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting a skewing a bit more with some of our, of our underrepresented communities by going like, I, I, and, I, and I believe that. I think our, you know, one of the key answers to that is by being more focused on the education, people, the tools. Are we helping them? Um, to get to get there because that's that's the thing when it you know when it's too cut and dry it doesn't set them up for success i mean here's we have found a bit of a magic bullet in our system which is you know and and one of the the problems is the retention of a level one well that magic bullet is get them to be a level two like the life of a level one is a year the life cycle of a level two is 10 years the life cycle of a level three is 25 years and God forbid, if you end up at level four, even if you take me as an example, even when I left that, <laughs> you know, and, and that's my story, but that's a story that would repeat time and time again for yeah. our organization. Yeah. I mean, that's, and, and again, that's what, that's yeah. what we, I mean, we're seeing, we see that here. I know in the East, especially, I think it's across the country for us, I know here in the East, cause I've seen the numbers be on the board the last four years is that, you know, if we get people to our level two, Yep. They like eighty percent or eighty-five percent. I think it's around the mark. Stay mm-hmm. in your organization yep. for long term. Level ones, it's kind of that revolving door loop. It's getting better, but it's still a revolving door. We see the same thing. Mm-hmm. And and Angela, I know you had something there. I was just and it, and go ahead. Not even say. I uh, just I was looking over some literature from and I don't know Perry if it was if it if what I looked at over the last week was um published by csia or because i know you know people who are studying for certification exams make their own materials and then publish them online and stuff but i saw your collaborative teaching approach which i i think is your model like that's your official model that's endorsed by the organization and i and i I read it and and i mean you know and this isn't a, a knock i was like oh this is the learning connection model this is really very 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 similar to what we do know the learner create the experience assess the experience explore the possibilities i i thought i thought super cool i love the explore the possibilities piece because we use in our system under one of our teaching fundamentals the 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 teaching strategy of exploration right which is super high level 
you know, it's super high end teaching, super high end coaching, but it gets the learner way more involved than than what you're describing as as the rote model, like memorize this series of steps and go out and say it to these people. So I think there is a lot of, you know, there's a lot of, um, there are a lot of parallels between our systems. Um, I do have a question and, yeah. and I, I saw that and I don't know if this is an official something officially from the organization or not, but I, I saw pole plants described as a secret weapon for our skiing. Is that is that an official? It said in a, in a CSIA level one certification guide, candidate guide describes pole plants as a secret weapon. And I'm hoping you can let us in on the secret. Oh, God, you probably just send me into a minefield. Um, <laughs> uh, well, no, I you hit. What's my right answer? Sure. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> it. Great. Thanks. Next question. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I think in our recent era, like, again, we got 83 years of really rich history, right? And, and one of the things, you know, in the current round, with all the good stuff that we have, we have, and I'm not saying we're done yet, but we are trying to organize it so that it makes sense in a system. So we go, because, yeah, we, you know, and, and because, well, one, the science is the same, regardless of whether you're on this side of the border or that side of the border when it comes to learning theory and all the rest of it. So, yeah, it totally makes sense. There, there's so many similarities. But, but where I'm going with this is, um, you know, we, we've been trying to orchestrate stuff. Okay, this was good, you know, in this era when we did this, but how does it fit? And how does it fit so our end user, like, like I, our member, or just it, where, where does that stuff fit? So we spent a lot of time of going, well, you know, taking everything off the table, putting everything back on the table, going, okay, this fits there, this fits there, um, you know, because we, you know, we use centered. And I, I'm, when I, I'm not saying that we're not, but that was in quotation marks, you know, we, we used to be reflective learning. We used to be skills concept, like all these different things. And we are trying to put it together. Um, not that it's, I would say different, but just that it's digestible so that it can be used. Cause you know what? And I'll say this, you know, when I, when I first took the job and I, you know, I ran this by my board, I spent quite a bit of time literally across the country. So in each region, seeing different levels of certification courses in each region and so on. And one of the things that, that I'd caught Often come across is some saying right things, but getting it wrong, and and because they didn't quite understand the context, or we were in this oh the CSA wants us to do this, therefore you would take that carbon copy and be and and just repeat that. When the reality is there, there's far more nuances to our job than reciting a script. Um, so um, the collaborative teaching approach. I mean it. You know, in in one video, we do have a video that that show, you know that kind of sums up the collaborative teaching approach, and and I'm a, I'm a bit of a fan of this analogy. It's like it's like a plant growing. Ultimately, it's the plant's responsibility to grow. No one no one else is involved in that. So I just you know as as the course conductor or as the the instructor, the facilitator, you help, right? Like maybe add some nutrients, you make sure that the soil is prepared and all the rest of it. You know, which in our world is you know. Am I using the right train for the situation, the right turn shape, like all these dynamics that you can control, but ultimately the growing of the plant is the plant's job. And, 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 you know, and that's, that's the whole collaborative thing, if you will, in, in a nutshell. Well, and I've heard um, 
our process described really similarly. And Dave, maybe I think it was Michael Rogan who said pretty much verbatim, like when they were doing the fundamentals at the team level, we took everything off the table and and put it back on to see where it fit. And I was looking at your at active and reflective learning, you know, throughout the week as before we as I was prepping for for um, tonight. And the notes I wrote about active and reflective learning, it, it's like we've done the same thing in American education, and I mean more more broadly, not snow sports education, just education generally, where it's like, oh, you're this or that. You're you're an active learner or you're a reflective learner. And if you look at literature from 15, 20 years ago in education generally, you you see things like that. You you're this or that. Which which one of these four learning styles are you? But then as you use it and as your experience with it matures, you're like, oh, wait a minute. These these, you know, thinker, feeler, see or doer, you're not one of those. You're those are phases of a process right. and you're you're being a doer right now and you're observing so you're being a seer it's the same thing with active and reflective learning it's not an or it's an and you right. you learn right. actively in this situation and and then later right. on you reflect but that's what your collaborative teaching approach does it takes active and reflective learning and puts them in the same model I and that's the, the um the analogy of a pendulum like if the pendulum is over here to, you know, it doesn't mean you swing the pendulum all over here and go, ah, that was crap. We did that last year. That, that didn't work. Like, it's not this. I want, I want the pendulum to be a little bit more in here, you know, than, ah, that, those guys, they didn't have it right. We have it right now. And it's like, well, well no, your point. It's not actually the way it works, right? Um, so we're moving towards Levi Finland's coming up soon for the inner ski. And um, I was trying to look and kind of, how the Canadian team picks their team. So is it picked what I was right? I don't I'm not sure if I have it right. And I know I got Perry here, so we can get it right. It, it looked like you put it out a normally a year or two before the inner ski to pick a team. And there's a few, there's a certain number from each region in Canada that are picked. Um, Cause I'm curious, like, do you have a national team like we have that's there for the four year term or whatever, in between the inner skis or no? yes and no i mean some things are some are, are, are similar something not exactly in structure i mean in in the team that we're sending to, to levi this upcoming march um we picked them last year which quote unquote been a year behind cycle but the year before with covid i mean some of our areas and again i, I may not get this completely accurate but some, like some of canada relative to the us like we had regions in our canada that completely yeah. lost the ski season like like, like covid uh, because of health uh, authority restrictions and so on so we we didn't pick the team in its regular cycle we were kind of a year behind that um and, and we did pick it and, and there there's a i mean in our um in our organization which does fit our organization does that make sense because so we're we're you know we're a large organization well we're large geographically <laughs> small community uh, you know small populated so i mean if you were to look at let look at our team, we're we're doing our best, and I'm not perfect, but that that you know that we have some geographical representation for sure. Um, you know that we're you know we're skewing heavier on the female side of it. You know which is which, which is a move in the right direction, um, and all those things. So we do try to balance that. Um, we did um, we did use a process 
in 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 teams previous there was a skiing component there was a teaching component um in the in the past cycle um we we didn't do a teaching component one of which was because of COVID at the time um you know and, and so what we did do we did a skiing approach you know which was judged uh, you know by some of our most senior people which you know i'm, I'm paraphrasing or you know uh, summating a little bit but uh, you know which were past demo team members so they were the judges of, of the skiing portion of it um they did a, a detailed video submission talking about our content and then themselves was part of it and we did uh, i'll say the psychometric testing you know like you know which basically you know kind of um you know measured their their leadership things that you know their propensity to give back and all those things that, uh, those three criteria to come up with the team uh one thing that we we i'll say this we kind of strategically stumbled across if that's a, if that's a word but we were really happy this is we because of that lateness in picking our, um you know one of my colleagues at jeff marks who is the head coach of of, of our interski team um him and myself were in levi last uh, march you know for the the pre-site visit of interski and it was really cool because we went to our, you know, our international colleagues, i.e., some of your key people, um, like Nick Heron, like Dave Schuling, um, you know, and some of you know the Europeans and so on, where they announced our team members. We recorded it all, and so when when we announced the team, we did it live. You know, when I say live, like virtually, and it was the international community um, announcing our team members, and that was really cool. Yeah. You know, like Eric Sheckleton did one. Yeah, you know, your um, you know, which is your home hometown uh person, you know, who is the president of Interski. Um yeah, so that was really it was really cool. Nice. And, and you spoke you that you have more women going in that direction on the team. And I know that you're working hard just on on the organization to try to bring more women into skiing, uh, you know, and teaching and getting them up to level four trainers. I know you've spoken that you know, need more there. But, Can you know, tell us a little bit about so how we, you're we working made, there? And it's probably, and I'll, you know, and I'll say this, and, and whenever I say, when I, I'm about to comment on a big change, when you make a big change, it's a big change, right? Like, so, which is, we, we are level four, our top certification, we change it to what we now call an academy. Um, so in the, in the old model, it, it was basically a course and a, and a, and a one-shot exam. And it, it would typically take a, a, a number of tries to get it. But it's not that I know the stats, but I know the stats. So in our in our in the old system, if you are a level, if you were trying for the level four on your first attempt, two point seven people across the country would get it. That's it. You know, pretty low. So we we changed it to an academy. So now now there's a selection camp, which you know, so there there's basically a test to get in. Um, and the the test to get in is is making kind of the evaluation that yeah there's a real good chance with this amount of training you'll come out at the end and you'll you'll have a chance of getting it so there's a selection camp to get in there's three camps in the process you know throughout that and there's check-ins in between with with your coaches um, so in our system we quadruple the amount of time on task right like the volume to get that top level is, is like four times uh what it once was and yes as per that simply it's a big change, but it's also a simple change because we just added, we basically increased the volume of training and it's met with, with a very significant outcome. And that outcome is exactly as you're saying, we're skewing better. We're skewing better female, we're skewing better younger. Because the other side of it too is we, and this isn't, again, 
I mean, as a guy with white in his beard, you know, as, as we skew up, you know, in age, which is fine, but we also got, you know, we've also got to skew younger. We got to be aware of that. And we as an organization have to skew the right direction in a population that's aging out. You know, like, so, you know, we're, we're, we've got our own demographic, you know, challenges within the country's demographic challenges that, that, that are, that are tough for us. And we got to be aware of that to keep, to keep, to keep us healthy so that we don't skew out. And uh, I'll share this. this is another thing that has been, you know, when I, when I think of, you know, the, the number of discussions that I've had with my management team and our senior course conductor team and so on is I want to make sure the, the young and up and coming talent has access to the old talent and wisdom and, and strength before it's too late. Right. Like, um, I use the analogy of when I get in a plane that when I, when I walk by the cockpit, ideally I might be seeing, you know, the, the older, and I'm just totally <laughs> stereotypical, but you know, I, if there's one person that's a little bit senior, I know he or she's been around and they've, they've got a few war stories, but then there's a younger person. Well, I know they're up to date on the latest training. And in my best case scenario, there's probably a male in the cockpit and a female, you know, like, you know, like there, there, there's those robust dynamics in play um, that work, and I think we all win. And, and I, I want to make sure that we, you know, that we get through the system that all that wealth and experience is is carried on and and stays alive in the system and doesn't, you know, doesn't skew out so that there's too much of a gap between this generation and this generation. We have that really? conversation. Well, I mean, we just have that same conversation a lot at the, yeah. you know, um, among ed staff. We have it at the resort level. It's the same conversation, that, you know, here. Yeah. Train, yeah. Train, training our replacements. Yeah. Well, Coach Wen had some good conversation on that training last year, the year before that, uh, you know, some of us are getting old, but we still have some things that we want to get down to the younger folks that are coming in that, you know, some folks, there's not many more years, you get it out of them. So you got to, got to work on it both ways, but yeah, we're hearing a lot. Of so what are you looking for at personally at, at, at Interski? Like for you, are you looking to, to go see what certain, are you looking to certain countries for just curious what they're doing or you what are your goals really, for you? You know, what's really great. And, and well, you know, in, in the kind of the micro event that happened this past March one, it was great to see our colleagues again mm -hmm. like at the international community like post-covid the energy to get back together again is palatable like yeah. you can just you know, which it which is great and then i think i think this industry coming up um everything the venue is is unbelievably well suited for for this event the hosts unbelievably hospitable um great people like the you know, in fact i think it was this morning i saw a post from levy finland they so they you know, they they put a whole bunch of infrastructure upgrades into the system, like into the system. Like I a new chairlift on the demo slope, um, grades to the demo slope, but had a bit of a fall away that they fixed and they started skiing today. Mm. You know. Um, and anyway, so the host and, and it's just I I think it's just gonna be great to get back to, you know. So if you ask me, I don't know, I'm not looking at one country. I think it's just gonna be great to get back together with everybody because you know one thing that i think covid might have taught us is you know in this world of zoom like i right now like getting being able to yeah. get to, we have so much to gain from each other yeah. so it's not about what you know what the canadians are talking about or the american like we I, I just think we have so much to learn from each other um and the energy we get from each other and and that, so 
if you're asking me what I'm looking forward to is I'm looking forward to the whole experience. And I'm, you know, like Jeff and I got, you know, you know, we got to do the, um, the pre-site visit. Um, I'm excited for our team to see it. I'm excited for our team to meet with the other teams. Um, for the first time in, in Canadian, like it's, I think we're three inner skis deep where we, we, an organization haven't sent a member delegation, you know, and, 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 and this year we are like, you know, some members, you know, there, there's, and again, this is a playbook that I kind of stole from you guys, you know, I, Nick, like, you know, we're, we're selling member packages so that our members kind of at large can go take part in the event and see it and, and so on, which is a, a very cool thing. Um, Cause just to, to connect with the international community, it, it's invaluable. And I, and I know this as an organization, there, there's things that we haven't taken advantage of to, to the, to the full amount that we could. Um, earlier this week and i'm going to get the new acronym wrong because i know dave Schuling's on your on the board but i think the new acronym is i a e s s but it used to be ibss it's funny just as, as when i finally got my head around ibsss then they changed it but anyway but you know so you know a work of you know kind of the conglomerate of or you know the conglomerate of educational um you know instruction bodies around the world you know working on some research projects and so on there, there's a huge opportunity and, and why would we, one organization, reinvent the wheel what, what, you know, from another organization when, um, you know, when, when if we work on it together, A, we'll probably figure it out quicker, et cetera, right? Like it, it, it's just more to gain from, from working together. Yeah, because I, I know Angela and I will not mind if you um, put put in something to Kathy Brennan, our CEO here in the East, that, uh, you know, us two really need to come to Canada and visit with Perry and, you know, do some clinic he's get going on up there or something. I mean, that'd be great. Wouldn't you think, Angela? I think everybody would benefit from that <laughs> hugely. Well, you know, and, and, you know I, and I'm not anticipating it changing, but, you know, when Nick and I, you know, course he's he's moved on to a new exciting role but you know when nick and i you know first connected as well and again it's it's part of our history too it's not like it's never been done before but just every and this is where i met you angelo you know any opportunity that we can connect with each other again i think we we have to, to win so when uh when nick and the psa team you know invited me and a couple of demo team members seb and kyle down um, to the national academy i mean one it was it was great to be a part of that um again learned lots um lot definitely lots of takeaways that we can take you know, we, we've been in conversations with, with uh, Dave again, you know, of getting, you know, um, some PSA team members up to our event, uh, you know, our kickoff event at Lake Louise and Trombone and so on. Um, so, you know, it, well, just the more that we can share again, yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't see anything but wins there. Well, this has been awesome, Perry. And um, I want to thank you a bunch. I know Angela's got a couple more things, but. Um, uh, are you planning, you know, if you'll be at National Academy again this year? Um, well, whether, I mean, I, yes, I mean, that, that is the plan, whether, whether it's me and, or, you know, some other, um, uh, you know, members of, of my team and so on is one, cause again, like I, I'd love for more of us to, to witness, um, what you guys do down there. Like, I mean, you know, I was, it, it's, it's a, it's a first class event. Um, you know, the PSA does a great job, really, really impressed. Like, and, and again, there's, there's stuff that, uh, that we can learn there. You know, the, the spirit in your system is great. It's great energy, um, doing a lot of good stuff. And, you know, it's it's been a real pleasure in my role to work, you know, and I'm just, I don't want to miss anybody's name, but, you know, people that I've had, had of course, Nick, um, you know, I've had a chance, um, 
early on was was Ed Younglove and then mm-hmm. you know, Eliza. Um, Eliza's worked with uh, you know um, with my chair at the time, um, uh, Darren McDonald. You know, we like you know Dave Schuling, Jeb had a chance to ski with Matt, uh, um, Matt, his brother had, a, you know, that day with you, Angelo and Mike yep. Porter, just, just lots of great connections. Um, I, and from Jackson Hole, you know, got a chance to ski with her. And anyways, like you, you get lot, lots of great people down there doing great things and, and, and we can learn from each other without question. Yeah. it's awesome. I, it was, you know, I, I got to ski with you, Perry and for, and I, and a, a, a few other people from other countries. I got the, I got to hang out with Seb a little bit at the sponsor party, really super down to earth guy. Um, but what's, what jumps out the most when you, when you like at Academy, when you meet people from other countries is like how similar everybody is like, that's, that to me is the takeaway, you know, everybody's fired up. Everybody's looking to get better at this and, and we're more, you know, alike than different. And that's a that's a oh, yeah. really important thing. Yeah, yeah. Without and everybody, and everybody knows goggles up, goggles down. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and if the young people on the who are listening didn't know that, they can learn from the three old guys on the yeah, podcast. Yeah. They got it now. Yeah, but and hopefully, Perry, we we always um, like to invite you back. We'd love to have you back to maybe some thoughts on um, what you thought of Interski and Levy Finland and um, how that went. Maybe sometime in the spring would be great. Um, if you have the time, cause, um, appreciate your time to do this. It's really neat. It's, it's awesome where the podcast has taken us a little bit and be able to speak some folks outside of our country, not just inside our country is really cool. So thank you for taking the time to do this. And, um, it's been fun for Angela and I. Oh, my pleasure. Great chatting with you guys. Yeah. yeah. Really, great, really great to see you up here. Yeah. yeah. So, Hey, shout out to, uh, all our listeners out there. Hope you enjoyed the podcast tonight. This has been The Fall Line with Chaos and Company.